by firemen lest to take off. I am the vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman! Expect one of us in the wreckage, brother. Have we started the fire? Yes. The fire rises. Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and I'm joined once again, and as always, by Mr. Joseph Fornerado. I, I get even more into the Mr. now that we've had Andy on the show picking on us for being formal. So, Joe, welcome back, buddy. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. Uh, good, to, good to talk to you again, Eric. What's going on, man? Oh, not a lot, not a lot. Um, just, you know, it's a, it's a nice Sunday after, afternoon here. We've got a smoked pot roast on the smoker outside so that's what i'm looking for after looking forward to after we finish what about yourself oh good for you now um we just uh i actually worked for the day we just got takeout when i got home and the kids just went to bed because they were uh they were getting a little crazy so they went to bed a little early school is starting up soon my daughter's got kindergarten orientation tomorrow a lot of uh a lot of interesting stuff coming in the next week or so yeah, and the start of school always means that spooky season is right around the corner. So I'm excited for that. But we are not here to talk about spooky season or school. We are here to kind of commemorate a legend. We had talked about before on the show about the passing of Alan Grant. And, you know, we could have had like a dedication show or something like that. But instead, it was actually Joe's idea to talk about a story that Alan Grant wrote. And we decided to start with the beginning, the launch of the Shadow of the Bat title. And it's the first four issues of that arc, and it's called The Last Arkham. Now, Joe, you brought this idea to me. So tell me a little bit about your history with this book. Did you have Had you read this book before suggesting it? Or was this kind of just something you thought would be a good... I don't know, a good commemoration for Alan Grant or, or how did this come about? Um, well, I, I had read it before and, you know, uh, unfortunately for myself, when I had learned about Alan Grant's passing, I don't, I don't know many of his stories. We obviously know the name Alan Grant, but as far as stories that he has written, I didn't really know any particular stories that I really um, could say, okay, that's one we need to do. This is the only one that really came to mind for me because I remember this story pretty vividly as introducing Victor Zaz. And I remember mm -hmm. one of, one of Alan Grant's most, uh, like one of the things I remember about Alan Grant the most is that he actually tried very hard to create new characters a lot. He created Victor Zaz. I want to say he created the ventriloquist, um, he created a bunch of new characters whenever he was writing Batman. So, mm -hmm. and I, I always remember finding this story in particular because it introduced Victor's ass. And so I really wanted to, you know, when we were trying to think of what to cover or what to do next, I felt like this was a really good idea because I, I do really enjoy the story. Um, on top of Alan Grant, it also has art by Norm Brayfogel, which we both love Norm Brayfogel. And it's just a really, it's a really good story. It's a quick story. It's only four issues, which uh, by today's standards, we don't really get too many quick reads like this anymore. So it kind of brings us back to that time frame where that was uh, pretty common. And it's, it's just a good story to kind of, to talk about for Alan Grant. Well, yeah, you're right. And to your point about the, the kind of, smaller stories we used to get like this this was signature for this time period of batman this this early 90s time period and also signature for shadow of the bat 
So it's it's interesting that it kicked off this series, and that's kind of what the series would become, you know, contained, you know, two, three issues, even four sometimes stories. Um, but now you're right. We get so many huge events all the time that it takes, you know, 11, 12 issues to wrap up. It takes a year to get through and sometimes more with delays. So this is, it is a nice breezy read, but it's also a very interesting story. And I think, I want to say there's a lot of influences here from on stuff that we get much later, even so, so far as like the Arkham video games and things like that. There's, there's a lot of, you know, not exact page to, to screen homage or, you know, translations or anything, but just a lot of things I can see where people would have said, Oh yeah, that's a good idea that that we could use for this or this. Um, if that makes any sense. Well, even something as simple as Jeremiah Arkham, which if I'm not mistaken, this is his first appearance also. And that's someone that we kind of just take for granted as always being there with Arkham. Like there's a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff that was introduced in this book that has become so synonymous with Batman and, it's weird to think that it was only, you know, 1992 when this stuff came in. Which also to your, to your credit, uh, and I don't even think you thought about this, but 20 years ago, or oh. uh, no, 30, 30 years 30, ago, excuse yeah. me, 30 years ago, this book came out. I'm trying to make myself younger. You know, what's what funny now that you, <laughs> now that you say that, that might've been how I came up with the idea to do this. Cause I, every once in a while, I'll go and look and see what came out this year. That was 30 years back. So that might've been how I, I might have seen this prior to him passing, so it was kind of in my head already. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that's a that's kind of a cool coincidence, um, unfortunate coincidence, obviously. But uh, but yeah, it's I'm not familiar with Batman Shadow of the Bat as a title, to be honest with you. I think this may be the only story I've read from this line that wasn't a tie-in that was in like No Man's Land or something like that. I mean, Shadow of the Bat most of those stories from the nineties ran through like every bat title. So I've definitely run other issues of shadow of the bat, but this is definitely mm-hmm. the only storyline I've read. Yeah. It I've definitely read like the nightfall tie-ins and things like that. I don't, I, I may have read more than that. I'm just not sure. Honestly, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I know that I have a bunch of shadow of the bat issues in my, in my long boxes. Um, but I don't know which ones, you know, may have been tie-ins and which ones were just, part of the regular run. Um, But yeah, that's, that's for another day for me to dig through those boxes and see. But so far as the getting into the story itself and and real quick, was it, is it shadow of the bat or legends of the dark Knight that just recently relaunched? Do you, do you know? I think it's legends of the dark Knight. That's relaunched a couple of times. I don't think if shadow of the bat is coming back, I didn't know that, but I'm pretty sure legends of the dark Knight did just relaunch. Okay, I knew it was one of those legacy titles, but uh-huh. I couldn't remember which one. But getting into this story, so yes, this is Batman Shadow of the Bat, numbers one through four, um, also known as Batman The Last Arkham, which was released on its own as a trade paperback in 95. Um, and that's very hard to come by, actually. I was looking for it online just out of curiosity after we decided to do this. And some of them, like in very good condition, can can be pricey. But it's got a beautiful cover. Uh, no, no shade to, uh, no shade to Norm Brayfogel because his covers for the individual issues are amazing as well. But the art on the on the paperback is great. I, have you seen that one, Jeff? No, I'm actually going to look it up right now. Um, it's called Batman: Last Arkham, I assume. Batman: The Last Arkham. Yeah, it's a great cover. Absolutely captures the essence of this story. Oh, I have seen that cover. The one with Batman yeah. in a street jacket. Yeah, and I don't know who did that art, but it's really good. But anyway, getting into the story. So as we begin this story, it begins with the destruction of the old Arkham Asylum and its new administrator, uh, Jeremiah Arkham, who's the descendant of Amadeus Arkham, is having the asylum revamped and just retrofitted with new security measures, new cameras, new, new everything. And he's trying to build an Arkham that is basically escape proof because he's tired of the MO of Arkham Asylum where these villains go in and immediately they escape. So that's kind of the setup of the first issue. And then at the, I think it's the end of issue one, we find out that Batman is an inmate of Arkham Asylum. 
so Joe, just the whole setup of this first issue, what did you think when you got to the end and it's like, holy crap, Batman is in Arkham. Yeah, well, I did remember the the essence of the story from my prior read, but yeah, it's it's fun to read it again to see like how it actually got there and, and the details start coming back to you. Because I I did remember that he actually I do remember how he got in there without jumping ahead. But it is it's a cool way of them telling the story where they actually you start out with just the backstory of Jeremiah and try to figure out what's going on with Arkham itself. And then when you learn that at the end, like that's such a, a punch at the end to see that Batman is, is an inmate, you know, and you learn it through, um, I want to say it's issue one where you learn it through, uh, Robin and Nightwing discussing what's going on. And mm-hmm. it's cool to see their perspectives first before you even get to Batman. And then, yeah, that, that gut punch at the end, seeing Batman as an inmate, it's, it just gives you that kind of, you know, what the hell's going on here vibe. And then I love how in issue two, you get, you know, then you get to go back to see what happened to cause that. It's it's a really cool way of storytelling. And it's for a four-issue arc, issue one is just all set up, which mm-hmm. the story never feels too crowded either. Like They tell a lot of story in four issues. Well, and I'll tell you, that, so this is the first time that I've ever read this story. Um, this is the this is my first experience with this book, uh, reading it for the podcast. And... Going through it, first of all, I love seeing Nightwing in the classic suit with the gold ridges mm-hmm. on the top and stuff like that. That's it was fantastic. I love seeing it's like the transitional Nightwing suit, and, right? It's not the it's not yeah. the disco suit, but it's still the blue and the gold as opposed to the yeah. yeah. But I also love seeing Nightwing and Tim Drake Robin because mm-hmm. that's just all kinds of cool that that definitely puts you it's almost like a time capsule like you know what era you're in when you see nightwing in this particular suit and then tim drake robin you know you're reading early 90s batman Mm -hmm. so that's just i i thought that was really cool and then yeah so having never read this when i got to the end and you see batman locked up and he's chained to the walls it's like um okay what is going on sorry so no you're good so, uh, yeah, and then the whole setup when we get into issue two, and, well, first of all, when when I see Batman locked up in Arkham, and it's because I had never read this story and I have read the, Mercy, the Murphyverse stuff, I immediately thought, oh, this is kind of like White Knight or <laughs> Curse of the White Knight. Batman's locked up. So, yeah, that's immediately where my mind went. But then getting into the further issues, when you find out that, you know, there's a series of murders and they all kind of resemble Victor Zaz and, and his MO and Batman starts to investigate. And he finds out that Zaz has been imprisoned in Arkham during the course of the murders, but he's determined to prove that Zaz is guilty. So him and commissioner Gordon stage and stage an incident uh, where a, a police officer, apparently ends up dying at the hands of Batman so that Batman is charged with being criminally insane and is committed to Arkham so that he can further investigate what's going on. First of all, wow, that is, <laughs> uh, that is a length to go to, to get yourself thrown in Arkham. Um, what did you think of that whole setup of Batman and, and th- their plan to get him committed? And I'm trying to remember when it actually is happening, they don't just spill the beans right away that this is intentional. You think this is actually happening. And I, this, the backstory with the little girl and her coming home to see her parents, like there, there's a lot of really crazy stuff that happens in issue two. And again, we're still kind of in the setup. And yeah, it is such a crazy elaborate scheme. <laughs> and uh I, I really can't say enough about how like the story just moves forward so well and you're constantly just kind of, you know, you just keep guessing of what's going on and it's, you know, you see Batman in the first issue where he's really trying to like rip off the wall to get out and it's, it really is just this crazy thing of like, okay, now we find out he actually did do this on purpose to get in there, but he's he's doing a really good job of making it look like he doesn't want to be in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and to your point, in the four issue, when I knew there was four issues, and then you know the the whole first issue is is set up, I got a little concerned because I was like, okay, because I'm used to the current style of of writing at this point. Mm-hmm. So I get through that first issue, and I'm like, okay, that's a lot of setup. 
Um, I hope that they're able to nail this with this limited number of issues, but you're right. When we get through episode or um, issue number two, it's things are rolling along so well and I'm still so intrigued. And then this whole plot, which I didn't know was a plot while I was reading it. I'm just like, what is going on? Batman's killing cops. He's getting thrown in Arkham. What? So it, it did have me hooked. I was very intrigued. Um, but yeah, then, then moving forward with the story, you know, um, so Zaz is, is fully, you know, he's kind of like immobilized in this tube during the day and he gets let out at night to sleep or whatever, but they keep, they're keeping a very close eye on him or so they think. And Jeremiah is determined to break down Batman. Cause he's like, this is another, another one of these psychos that I, I need to deal with. So unbeknownst, unbeknownst to Batman and Gordon, there's kind of this situation where Zaz is planting seeds of hatred towards Batman in Jeremiah Arkham, which I thought was a very clever, you know, little nod that, that just shows that these Batman villains are, it shows you the, the strength of the Batman villain and how psychological they are. And, and just that he could take someone so fierce minded. I mean, this, this leader, this person in charge of an asylum and slowly turn their mind against Batman. I thought that was that was a really neat touch in the story. Yeah, and it's such a perfect story to do that with too. You know, it's it's not just him doing this to a typical villain, he's doing it to the head of Arkham. And also like I don't know how you feel about reading this from the perspective of this being Zaz's first issue. It doesn't feel like they're trying to introduce a new character. Like it feels like they're, you know, just running with it like it feels like he's an established villain already and maybe that's because we've always known Zaz as a villain but it doesn't seem like they're going out of their way to try like hey this is the new big bad villain it just seems like hey this is the story we're telling this is the villain here you go and I guess it just comes off very natural that way yeah I was gonna say that same thing Joe this did not and I guess it's like you said it's because we know Zaz as a villain, but I think this is such a unique, unique way to introduce a villain because it feels like there's no setup. It feels like we're jumping into the world where Zaz already exists Mm -hmm. and he's been, he's been a part of this world because it just like, it goes into Batman's mindset about what Zaz is and how his MO works. So he's been out there clearly. But it's so interesting to know that this is the first introduction of Zaz. So it just kind of hits the ground running with his character and his his you know, his modus operandi, I guess. Yeah, and, and this might be the advantage of not being around or not remembering nineteen ninety two where the marketing might have been like that back then. But like nowadays mm-hmm. when they introduce a new character, it's always this is the the new big bad. This is the Batman's greatest villain he's ever faced out of nowhere. And it, we just kind of get tired of hearing that after a while where this doesn't seem like that. It just seems like, hey, this is a different villain that Batman's faced before. And and here's an interesting story. The story came first. Zaz is just a part of that story. And I think it just works really well because it's like they introduced the best villain for the story. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I love that little setup of, you know, they establish the, the, the marks that Zaz makes on himself. Uh, when he commits a crime, when he murders someone, he marks himself. So he's got tally marks all over his body from all these victims that he's had. And I love the setup there of Batman knows this about Zaz. So he wants to see if there's any fresh wounds. So he, so basically in his cell at night when he's sleeping, the Batman comes into Arkham to investigate this and he, and they, and they basically have Zaz strip naked and there's no fresh wounds. And then after the fact, once the Batman and, and Jeremiah Arkham and Gordon have left, we see him lift his foot mm-hmm. and there's three new slash marks on the bottom of his foot. I was like, man, that is great. I like, cause who would think to look at the bottom of somebody's foot? I mean, maybe people can complain. Uh, Batman would have thought of that, but in 92, I think this was pretty genius. I agree. I think it's a really cool story point. Just to, and it's like that. Um, I guess their version of dramatic irony, where we're seeing it, but Batman's not. Yeah, yeah, and and that happens. I don't care what detective story you're hap- you're you're reading or or watching or anything like that. 
there are Sherlock Holmes examples where Sherlock missed what the audience sees. Mm -hmm. I mean, he eventually catches on, but it, it doesn't matter how good the, how good the detective is. There are things that slip through the cracks. And I thought this was a unique way to show that. So, uh, moving moving forward, still uh, we have Batman, and he's being he's being toyed with by Jeremiah Arkham. And when Arkham figures out that he really can't break Batman, he basically forces him to fight Amygdala and the other inmates from the asylum, including the Joker and Mad Hatter. And there's a few funny ones in there, even like Egghead. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that. They're, they do a really good job of. Uh... Uh, no pun intended that you just said egghead, but Easter eggs. There's a lot of cool Easter eggs with uh, with mm-hmm. villains. I mean, I, I had actually texted you that when I came across Cornelius Sturk, that was a, cu- a cool surprise for me because I am yeah. not familiar with that character at all. And we had just, um, I don't think it's a spoiler if you hadn't listened to the podcast. He's right in the, like, the first, um, he's in the first episode of this, the podcast, isn't he? In um, what is it? Uh, uh the Batman Unburied. Nice. I don't know if it's the first episode, but he's he's he shows up pretty quickly. Yeah, and I had I always assumed he was a original character. I was not familiar with him, so it was cool for me to see him. You know what's funny about Sturk, and this is a tangent, but in appearance, he's very similar looking to um, John D. from the Sandman. Or from actually the Justice League as well, Justice League comics. He looks a lot like John D. And you don't see him in this, so I can't even go by that. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um. So while this while all this continues, of course, Batman defeats all the rogues, and and while all this is going on, we find out that Zaz is escaping through tunnels which he had purchased and, and kills the builder and another inmate in order to cover his tracks. So basically the guy that was in charge of, of constructing this new Arkham for Jeremiah Arkham has been conned into building tunnels into the, the asylum, because of course we can make Arkham as big and bad and as, and as updated as we want to, but there's always going to be a way for these guys to escape. Right. I mean, that's, that's inevitable. So and there's always going to be corruption Zaz, in Gotham. I think that's the the big takeaway from yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. Gotham's always corrupt, and people will find a way to escape Arkham. There's there's no way around it. Um, but I did think this was pretty interesting because they had to find a way to get these, uh, or or at least Zaz in this in this instance out of Arkham. And I thought this was a pretty clever way to do it. So you know, Zaz paying off the the. Con- the contractors and things like that. And then to cover his tracks, he kills the contractor. So yeah, I mean, if you have to get there, I thought this was a pretty neat way to get there. Well, and also just to go back to the whole thing about it being such a concise four issue story. It's a pretty intricate detective story. There's some unraveling and it's not as straightforward as it, it really could, or, you know, arguably to be expected for a four issue story. I mean, I even having read this prior I kept thinking like, wait, does Zaz get out? Or is this like a whole trick from someone else? Like I really couldn't remember while I was reading it, but, and even to your point before about the three marks on his foot, I still was like, well, maybe he didn't actually do the killing and the three marks mean something else. There was a lot going on here. And the whole, Mm -hmm. the whole side story with the, with the engineer, I did not remember any of that. And I thought that was a really cool, um, really cool way of seeing how the story unfolded. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, like I said, if you, you have to find a way to get there. So the onus is then on the writer to give you a way to get there. That doesn't make you roll your eyes basically yeah, it, like, Oh, they had to find a way to get them out. And this was kind of the, the best way they could No, He made it interesting and interweaved it as part of the story. He didn't just find some MacGuffin to get him out of Arkham. Mm-hmm. There was a plot and a plan and, and, this was this is to me is the genius of Alan Grant. He worked the escape and the method of escape into the overall story. So yeah, I, I applaud uh, this writing, yeah, and, and it's very comic booky, but it's also believable too. It's not so far stretched that you know you're you're 
totally just like taken aback by it. And I'll, I also commend them for finding ways to interweave uh, Nightwing into the story as well to really make him a part of the, mm. the investigation. Yeah, and I love that. Um, and this is kind of moving the for the story forward even more because we know that Batman defeats all the inmates, and he he's wondering about Arkham's sanity and and blah blah blah. But then Nightwing, it, who is obviously concerned about Bruce, breaks into Arkham Asylum to free Bruce from the asylum, and of course Batman admonishes him because you know I didn't need help. <laughs> I you know I have a plan. This was this was part of the whole plan the whole time. And yeah, the, the, that's pretty standard Batman. Um, but he does accept Nightwing's help in the asylum and the pair split up and Nightwing encounters um, Zaz. I think it's, it's in the tunnels under Arkham, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, because that's right. Because Zaz uh, initiates a, a tunnel collapse, which falls on Nightwing, but then Zaz is stopped uh, by Batman because he Nightwing was going to be Zaz's next next victim, but he's stopped by Batman, um, who's made the this crazy journey on his hands and knees, just inch crawling. Was he covered in what was he covered in aluminum? It, aluminum. It was foil? a weird. Um, it was like a final defense of Arkham, wasn't it? Where it was something that was flammable. It was a microwave sensor, yes. I think. Where I want to say, what is it? Um, aluminum will deflect the microwaves. So, yeah, mm-hmm. he covered himself in aluminum, so that would deflect the microwaves. That's. I, I will say, this is the one part <laughs> of the whole story that I was like, I don't know how... I mean, okay, I'll go with it, but... It's it's a little goofy. And you didn't, you didn't you know? necessarily <laughs> need to do it either. It was just another line of like... It's just to show that Batman was prepared for something again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that that just raises questions over like why would they? Why would he still have his utility yeah. belt if he's locked in Arkham? Because he's Batman. where did the aluminum foil come from? He just blah, happened blah, to have blah. a yeah, roll of yeah. uh, Reynolds wrap in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, I think it was what it was. It was one more example of these new high security upgrades in Arkham, and it was exactly also to build the. Yeah, and it's also to build the tension of is Batman going to get to Nightwing before Zaz kills mm-hmm. him. So I get it. I just that's my one major nitpick of the story was like, okay, we've got Batman like inchworming down this hallway covered in aluminum. Foil. Also, it, I, it I creates <laughs> for some really great artwork with showing how how deteriorated Batman is from just everything he went through to try to get out of there. It's yeah, not as ex- yeah, which it's not kind as exciting of reminded- as him picking a lock. Yeah, right. And it kind of reminds me of, um, cause anytime I think of Batman, just absolutely exhausted, I think of mm-hmm. nightfall, which was also very close to this era. So that, that immediately jumped yeah. to mind. Um, but yeah, just to kind of wrap it up, the uh, Batman has made it to the sewers and, and has, he, um, he stops Zaz from killing Nightwing and Commissioner Gordon arrives just in time to arrest Zaz. And that kind of, that kind of wraps up the story of the last Arkham. So uh, Joe, overall, as we've kind of, as we've kind of weaved our way through this story, um, you'd read it before, but on a reread, what did you think of this story? I I think it's one of the better books that I've ever read from the early nineties, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not trying mm. to be hyperbolic with it, but it I think because the 90s had so many of those, you know, long sweeping stories that are just exhausting, it's nice to be able to go back to you know, you know, a few of those titles like this and Legends of the Dark Knight. I don't remember what year Legends of the Dark Knight came out, but you know, those those um comics that that really did try to do the shorter stories. I think we can appreciate them now going back to them. And I think this really is just a great story with everything that this story does. It introduces Victor Zaz. It introduces Jeremiah Arkham. You do get some Batman and Nightwing action. I guess my one nitpick would be that I didn't really think of until just now is that Robin kind of does disappear in this story. I didn't really think about it, but he he appears in the first issue and then kind of just goes away. So that could be a little bit of a nitpick. Yeah, I mean that's true, but it's I not his story, I see though. that as 
Yeah, I see that as Nightwing and Robin were out there protecting Arkham or yeah. Gotham, excuse me, in, in Batman's absence, and and that's what Nightwing probably charged Robin with when he decided to go to the yeah, asylum. Very true. But yeah, I just I think after my second read, I I really do just I've come to really appreciate how how great and how much of a story that they really do fit into these four issues because it also isn't a long read. Like some of those, some stories that only take place in four issues become very wordy. They try to pack too much into a shorter story. Um, as far as like mm. the page length wise, they, they'll try to like fit more and more, um, whether it be, um, just dialogue or exposition into those books. And then it almost becomes a chore to read where this one feels like you're reading a modern story. It, like, it doesn't have that. Yeah. It doesn't have that old, uh, style to it where sometimes it does become a chore. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like when I, sometimes when I read those old books and they become too wordy, I, I do get kind of bored. This one, I wasn't bored. I zipped through this four issue, these four issues, and I really enjoyed everything that was given to me in it. And I still can't get over the fact that this is as his introduction, because I do think it, it's probably one of the better um, introductions to a character. And, and, you know, Zaz never became this, you know, a-list villain for Batman, but we all know who Victor Zaz is, and it's because of this story, and I think a lot should be said about that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, for myself, I really, really enjoyed this book. It's one that I definitely plan on revisiting. This this story has a very creepy vibe to it, um, which in a detective story, and especially a Batman story, I really enjoy. I, like if a story puts me in that, in that mood where I just feel a little creeped out while I'm reading it, oddly enough, I like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this, this hit all the right notes for me. Uh, the one major nitpick I did have was the whole aluminum foil thing, but that's a, that's a tiny drop in the bucket for what I think is a really, really good story. So yeah, this is one that I absolutely recommend. And if you're looking for a way to, to dive into some Alan Grant work. I think this is a great starting point. This is a great place to dive into Alan Grant Batman. And um, I know I did oh, want to bring up. Oh, go ahead. Uh, you might've actually been going the same place. Cause I, I know we're focusing on Alan Grant, but I, I think we didn't talk enough about the artwork. Um, Norm Brayfogle's artwork. Is, yeah. By Norm Brayfogle. I love Norm Brayfogle's artwork and the coloring in this book. And I, I should have looked up who the colorist was. Um, Adrian Roy. Okay. Uh, the colors in this book are really cool. He does a lot of cool stuff with the shadows and the shading. And there's one issue or one page in particular where he uses the pinks on the Batmobile mm -hmm. and even Batman's logo. Do you remember that, that, um, page when him and when him and Gordon Ooh. are in the Batmobile, he uses the oh, lighting yeah, yeah. and he has this pink shade on everything. And literally like the yellow oval is now pink. You get a cool pink um, bat logo on the Batmobile. And it's obviously done to just show like this craziness of the image. And I just think it looks really cool. Like, I don't know what exactly he's going for, but it, it just is a really cool color palette on that one page. Well, since you brought up, and, and first of all, yes, I agree with you. Norm Brayfogle, fantastic art. Love his Batman. Um, and this, this, this is no different with this situation. Just he's, he's great from start to finish in this story, except for one thing. And this is not his <laughs> fault. This is an overall design choice. I hate this Batmobile. <laughs> it is, a, is an odd looking Batmobile, but I, I'm okay with it. It's, it screams 90s. 90s over design aesthetic I would say um but so I get it it's just I don't I, I that's the first thing I, I thought when I saw that the Batmobile when I flipped to the page and saw the Batmobile I was like ew that thing is ugly it's a little but, stylized I'll go by but, that it's, it's it I'll oh tell you what the, the worst image is the one where it's straight on that I'm looking at that one right now where it's got this weird fin in the back that loops around. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, but I, I will, yeah. I will give points for um, effort and imagination. I personally would prefer, I prefer stuff like this. I think this looks cool. I wouldn't want to see it in live action, but 
honestly, if they put it in live action, I'd give them credit for it because I, I like seeing, oh, I geez. like the elaborate stuff. I don't care if it makes sense or if it's crazy or whatever. I, I, I will take stylistic choices like this over boring any day. <laughs> we're not going to open that. I, no, I didn't just say what was boring. I'm just saying in general, I will, I, I would rather something as insane as this than as something as safe as something else. Okay. All right. We're going to move on. So, um, one character that we did not mention, cause we talked about like the introduction of Victor Zaz. We talked about the introduction of Jeremiah Arkham. This was also the intro of Amygdala. And I, didn't realize that. I'm not familiar with that character at all. So he's in. He's definitely a big part of um, Nightfall. Oh, okay. Yes, I do which remember also, him now. Okay. Which also reunites Victor Zaz and Amagdala. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and and apparently he was in the Arrowverse. How much of? Oh, he was in Batwoman. I don't remember him being in Batwoman, but he was also in Gotham. Do you remember him being in Gotham? briefly yeah i mean not not briefly vaguely i remember um but i also remember i can't remember if it was easter eggs or an actual character you you fought against but i remember something in the arkham video games with amygdala but anyway yeah so so he introduced three characters in this story and there's a lot of you know a lot of newer writers catch flack over introducing new characters frequently but we had one we had a story here where three got introduced and i think they all got interesting parts of the story now amygdala is not your key mark batman villain but it's pretty it's it's notable to say that he was you know introduced here yeah he's he's shown up in other um other forms of media which is usually a staple of how successful someone is and Mm -hmm. i was just reading he's also in um the third part of red rain which i have never read i don't remember you have read it did you remember him being in that i don't remember honestly but that's piqued my interest and uh, i read those i read all three of those every year so um i'll have to remember that when i get to the third one it says it's just a cameo so i don't know how prevalent he is but yeah it's it's cool that i i didn't know that yeah and and on top of that all the other fun stuff with the villains in arkham that were already established i mean it it has pretty much everything you'd ask for in a batman story it has action it has detective stuff it has introduction to new villains that become established um it has a good relationship mm. with Commissioner Gordon in this book. I mean, it, they do pack a lot in these four issues. Yeah, they do. So, yeah, just kind of wrap it up on The Last Arkham. It's a story that I, I'm i kind of surprised that I had never read before now, but I, it was kind of an awesome experience to, to read this um, really, really good ba- Batman book that I was not familiar with. So it's always a cool experience when you when there's a Batman book out there that you haven't read that you have no experience with and it turns out being really really good. Cuz that's you know it's it becomes part of that cycle where you know eventually you're going to come back around to it and it's one that I look forward to coming back around to. So as a nod to Alan Grant for this episode, thank you Mr. Grant for giving us a great story that I can add to my list of, of Batman stories that I'm definitely going to reread. So, um, Joe, any final thoughts on the last Arkham before we move uh, on? What you just said was very well said. And, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and also let's not forget, we did lose no brave Fogel in the last couple of years too. And, and, you know, his art lended a lot to this book as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to end it there with the last Arkham but we're not quite ready to leave you yet because as you know we've been celebrating 30 years of Batman the Animated Series and we're going to do that yet again we have another episode for you right now alright so our next episode in our 30th anniversary celebration of Batman the Animated Series is titled The Man Who Killed Batman. 
So for your synopsis, while third-rate mob stumblebum Sidney Debris was acting as a lookout for drug runners, Batman surprised him on a warehouse roof. The two struggled, and Sid's bumbling caused Batman to pitch off of the roof and into a shed of explosive gas. After the ensuing fire, the only thing found was Batman's cape and cowl. It seemed Sidney had done the impossible and become the man who killed Batman. So after this, he become, he gets he gains notoriety in the Gotham underworld and becomes known as Sid the Squid. And he gets involved with gangs all over Gotham as well as a tangle with the Joker and Rupert Thorne, none of whom believe his story that everything is happening by preposterous happenstance. And so... At the end of the day, it's up to Batman to save Sid the Squid from his own trappings. So, Joe, um, I told you at the end of the last episode when we were talking about our, our BTAS episode, this actually made my top five. And this was my number two. I absolutely love this episode. So I am... I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on the man who killed Batman. <laughs> well, for having it as number two, I think you're a crazy person. But <laughs> no, it, it's a great episode. I, I don't think I would ever have it in my top five. But I will say it's a very memorable episode. I mean, I, I think most people, when you think of the Bat, of Batman the Animated Series, everyone has the, those episodes where you mention it. And I, I remember you mentioned it last week. And I was like, oh, that's the Sid the Squid episode, isn't it? Like, you... It's a very memorable episode. There's a lot of great stuff in it. You get the Joker, you get Rupert Thorne, you get this kind of pseudo mystery with Batman, whether he's dead or not. Um, there is a lot of great stuff in this. Uh, I will say right off the bat, my favorite part is the fact that the guy's name is Sid. They're calling him Sid. And he goes, hmm, maybe one day they'll come up with a name for you. And he had to see the picture of the calamari to come up with Sid the Squid. Like, it didn't just happen <laughs> automatically. He had to see the picture of the calamari. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the episode. Um, but, yeah, it is a, it is a great episode. I, I was just busting your chops with, uh, with it being in your top five. But it's, it's definitely one that I really don't have a lot of negatives for it at all. I mean... I, if I do have any negatives, I honestly don't think I do other than it's just not, it wouldn't make my top five, obviously, but it, it's still a pretty remarkable episode in, a, you know, a, an animated series that is filled with remarkable episodes. Well, let me, um, let me put on my, my defense attorney suit and defend why it is in my top five and why it is my number two. Um, this story, of course, is written by Paul Dini, which automatically gives you po uh, plus points. It's directed by Bruce Tim, so you've got a powerhouse duo there. It's a it's an animated series episode that has very little Batman in it, and while doing that, while keeping Batman in the background for like ninety percent of the episode, it tells a pretty fascinating story which I thought was a unique touch for a Batman episode that you could take Batman completely off the board almost and still have enough to invest someone into the episode. And then at the end of the day, there's nothing about Sid in general, Sid himself that makes me love this episode. What makes me love this episode is Joker and Joker's response to some nobody taking out Batman. The Joker stuff in this episode, I freaking love. I love that he has a funeral for Batman. And it cracks me up that Harley Quinn is playing Amazing Grace on a kazoo <laughs> while they're while they're lowering this empty well, this coffin with Sid in it and Batman's cape and cowl into this vat of acid, which was at Ace Chemicals. Uh -huh. Did you notice that? Okay. So nice little Easter egg there too. A rare and, occurrence um, of yeah. Harleen so Quinzel too. Uh, not in her original Harleen Quinzel, but she's playing a non-Harley Quinn at a point in this episode, which was fun. Yes. Yeah, it was fun. Um, so yeah, the, the, the Joker part of this episode, and it's not like Joker is front and center. I mean, it's a small portion of the episode, but the stuff there is so great 
that I, it just, it elevates this episode. And I look forward to seeing, I look forward to hearing Mark Hamill deliver Batman's eulogy through the Joker every time mm-hmm. I watch this episode. So yeah, I, I just, I freaking love it. And Hamill loves it. This is, he's gone on record as saying this is his favorite thing that he's ever done performing as the Joker was oh, this eulogy. Wow. He even did it on stage at Star Wars Celebration. I can't remember which one, five or six, something like that. But he performed Batman's eulogy on stage at Star Wars Celebration. So, yeah, and I think he even talked about it. And you remember those 80th anniversary books they they put out for a while there? Um, every character got one, like Batman joker yeah, superman in, in all these characters got like everybody's 80th anniversary <laughs> yeah so um hamill wrote the foreword for the joker one and he specifically talked about delivering this eulogy as one of his standout moments as the joker so yeah it's just for for that reason alone this this episode is just ah oh, i love it i love it so much <laughs> no, there really is a lot to love about the episode and, and the stuff with the Joker, like you were saying, that has become a thing. I mean, I don't know if it was first introduced in this episode or not, but that has always been a thing where Joker has to be the one to kill Batman. And if nobody, if someone else does it, it's just wrong. Like, he, he can't handle that. So that's definitely, you know, a, a staple to who the Joker is. And he also doesn't really want Batman to die because that ruins the fun. No, yeah, absolutely. It has completely ruined his motive for, for being so. And I also really like that, you know, Sid goes to, he goes to Rupert Thorne for protection <laughs> and Rupert, they, Rupert Thorne thinks he's trying to trick him. He thinks that Sid is some kind of underworld mastermind, which is hilarious to me that all these, all these people in the episode think <laughs> this, this little stumbling guy is this mastermind that killed Batman. Uh, so the humor behind it works It has for a me Looney too. Tunes vibe to and it then, a little bit with Sid the Squid. It does. And then, you know, there's also that little element at the end where even though, I mean, because Batman, of course, saves Sid from Rupert Thorne, but he's going to send Sid to prison, of course. But he gives Sid that notoriety of, you know, going into prison as this big tough guy, which is all that Sid ever wanted was to be recognized as, as somebody and not a nobody, which it's just, that's a fun Batman moment where he's not as dark and serious. Even though he's sending someone to prison, he's doing something (laughs) nice for him. It's like he knows Sid isn't truly a threat. So he's okay with Sid becoming a legend in the, in the prison because it almost is like comical to Batman that that's happening. Yeah. Which again is such a unique Mm -hmm. Batman moment that I really enjoy. So for that reason, for those, for all those reasons I've laid out and I'll stop gushing about it now, but yeah, the, the man who killed Batman, one of my absolute favorite episodes of the series. Anything else on the man who killed Batman, Joe? No, I'm, I'm good. It was, it was definitely a fun episode. Uh, it was nice to get to one of our top fives. I, I, I believe that might be the first time we've gotten to one of our top fives. Is that right? Uh, no, because we've both we both oh, okay. had Heart of Ice, and I had Moon of the. Oh, and that's I had right, Moon, Moon of the Wolf. Wolf. Yeah, so. how could I forget Moon of the Wolf? I... <laughs> <laughs> well, so now that we've we're we're over talking about this one, and I'm glad you enjoyed it because uh, it's one we both enjoy. Because I don't know if that's going to be the case next week. Or, or on our next episode, excuse me. Um, so the randomizer has been done, and our next episode that we're going to be covering is a special thanks that goes out to Mr. Jamie Drooley, because we're talking critters on our next episode. So this one's all for you, Jamie. I knew that's where you were going with it, because you don't tell me what these are prior to recording, so it, I, it becomes a surprise for me while we're recording. Um, yeah, that should be an interesting one. I, I like seeing the random ones, though. It's it's more fun to me to watch the ones that I'm not familiar with. It, that will be the interesting part, is because this is one of the episodes that I have probably watched mm-hmm. the least. 
So that will be a unique experience at the very least. Um, if nothing else, I would like to get some kind of, of, of blurb, some, some little clip from Jamie about this episode. If he can't, if we can't get him on the episode itself, <laughs> maybe some kind of little shout out about critters. I'm, I'm calling you out, Jamie, but <laughs> anyway, um, all right, we're going to we're going to wrap the episode up there, but before we do, one last thing. We do have an email, Joe, from Lee Anchorit. So, I'm going to read you his email here. Lee says, "Hello gentlemen. I hope you're both doing well and living your best lives." Firstly, I just want to say I really enjoyed your Super Pets episode despite not having seen the film yet. If I'm honest, I didn't have much much interest in seeing it as I don't have kids to take, but after your review, I'm actually very keen. As a massive dog person, hearing the parts about young Ace and Crypto started tugging at my heartstrings, even though I haven't seen it yet. Anyway, a question. And and here's we're we're gonna we've got a challenge here, Joe. So he says, in a faraway, magical place where a new Batman film has been made, with all of your favorite, not necessarily best, but favorite, previous iterations of the characters from the big screen, what would the cast look like? And he lists his here. He says, mine would look something like this. Batman, Ben Affleck. Alfred, Michael Goff. Robin, Joseph Gordon. Nah, just kidding. (laughs) Burt Ward. Commissioner Gordon, Gary Oldman. Joker, Jack Nicholson. Penguin, Colin Farrell. Catwoman, Anne Hathaway. Bane, Tom Hardy. Two-Face, Aaron Eckhart. Riddler, Frank Gorshin. And Knox, Robert (laughs) Wool. So, on paper, that actually sounds like it would be a terrible movie, but like I say, it's a magical place, and, and it all works brilliantly, and this movie saves the DCEU. I wish. Thanks for all your hard work, keeping the bat signal lit and pointing skyward. All the best, Lee. Well, thank you, Lee. That is that is a heck of a challenge coming up with the with our ideal Batman movie with all of our favorite previous iterations. That's going to be unique. But firstly, before we get into that, thank you. I'm so glad that you enjoyed the Super Pets review, and I hope you've had a chance to see it um, since our last episode. If so, let us know. Tell us what you think. I'd love to hear other people's opinions on Super Pets. I thought it was a blast. But Joe, getting into Lee's question here, uh, a magical place where a new Batman film has been made and all of your favorite, but not necessarily best, previous iterations are on the big screen. What would be your cast? Uh, Well, thank you, Lee, for the email and the question. That is tough off the top of my head because... Um, (laughs) let's see, Batman, that's a toss up for me between Christian Bale and Ben Affleck. I'm actually going to go Christian Bale just because, Ooh, I know it's tough because I, okay, I'm trying to think, no, you know what? I'll go, I'll go Ben Affleck and then I'll go, uh, Michael Caine. Yeah, uh, well, you I was trying to like, <laughs> I was trying to figure out like, okay, if I do Ben Affleck, then I'll do Michael Caine, so it'll cover the Dark Knight trilogy with that. Um, did he do Commissioner Gordon okay. or no? Okay, so I'll do Gary yeah, he Oldman. Had Gary Oldman. Um, but then I would do. So I, I would actually have a lot of Dark Knight trilogy people, so it's okay that I did Ben Affleck. Um, I would do Gary Oldman. I would do Heath Ledger for the Joker. I would do Anne Hathaway for Catwoman. I would do if this is allowed. Um, I would do Robin slash Nightwing from Titans. I would do, uh, and I'm drawing a blank, which is terrible. Um, Brendan Thwaites. Brendan yes, Thwaites. Um, if I, if that's allowed, okay. I I will say he did say. Oh, from okay. The big All right. Screen. So then I'll go Burt Ward. I, I got to go with him. I'll go Burt Ward. Um, then who am I missing now? Bane. I would go Tom okay. Hardy. Uh. Riddler, Riddler, I would do. Whew. That's a toss up for me. I do have a lot of fondness for Frank Gorshin, but I think it would be. <laughs> so I go um, most recently with uh, 
with the Batman. Um, I'm really doing bad with the actors' names right now for some reason. Paul Dano, yeah, Paul Dano. Oh, Riddler. I'll go Paul, Paul Dano. Dano. I'll go yeah. Colin Farrell for Penguin. Um, uh, what else am I missing here? Um, is that everything? So you don't have to do his exactly. I think he just said what. Oh, I thought he was literally like. naming. So you could like add every, anybody you wanted to uh, character. No, because he didn't have Ra's oh, okay. or anything like um, that. So. Yeah, it's tough off the top of my head then. So I think I pretty much covered everything I would want then. Uh, Two Face okay. would be Aaron. Well, you've Carter, got a priest. So I'm kind of going off his list, unfortunately. Me and Lee pretty much see eye to eye on most of this. Okay. Okay. I, hmm. This is really tough just without sitting down and making a list. Um, let's see. Batman Bruce, um, is so tough for me not to go Ben Affleck because it, it, he is my favorite and you did say favorite. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go Ben Affleck. I'm going to say Michael Caine for Alfred. Is yeah, that and that's where too? I actually feel bad. It's I have no one from the Burton movies, unfortunately. Well, that's where I'm going to th- throw it for a loop because Robin, yeah, I am going to say for you, I think with Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, I'm going to say Chris O'Donnell. Um, Commissioner Gordon. I'm going to go. I with thought J. about K. it. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll throw in another Just, wrench. I'll put. I want Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl in mine. Oh dear lord! I want Batgirl <laughs> okay. in my movie. I'll get it. Leslie Grace technically doesn't count anymore. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, Commissioner Gordon. So I went J.K. Simmons. Joker. I'm gonna go because you said big screen. I'm gonna say Mark Hamill because he's Man, been a big screen a Joker. And a half. If you're gonna do that, you could go Lauren Lester. But does it not? It was oh, he not yeah, on the big I guess screen? He was never. Other than a fathom event. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Mark Hamill, Joker, just because that that makes the hate all <laughs> go away. Because nobody can attack me for that one. Um, Penguin. Yeah, Colin Farrell. Uh, Catwoman. I am gonna go. Oh gosh, Lee, That's this tough. one is, this one hurts my, yeah, because I love all three of them, honestly, all the, well, <laughs> there's been four big screen and I don't, I don't think we've there's ever had a bad Catwoman the on the big screen. Halle Berry. Oh, has there? <laughs> oh, Halle Berry. Okay. Four out of five, <laughs> four out of five are, are perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, I am going to go. Catwoman to oh, me is geez. the hardest one, in all honesty. I, I think because I could have very easily chosen uh, Zoe Kravitz or um, Lee Merriweather was the one in the movie, correct? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Zoe Kravitz. Uh, just I really loved her performance, so I'm gonna go Zoe Kravitz. Um, <laughs> Two Face, just to make it weird, just to make it weird. I'm gonna no. You said favorite. <laughs> okay, Aaron Eckhart, but if I wanted to make it really weird, I was going to go Tommy Lee Jones. But um, Riddler, yeah, I got to go uh, Paul Dano, even though I do have a soft spot for Jim Carrey. It just, yeah. And I'm going to throw in Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul as well. Because I just think I, I just think if we're going crazy and having favorites, have sure. Up, right? He's the only one. Yeah, exactly. It's big multiverse, big multiverse affair. We'll have we'll have all the Batman villains and and sidekicks. All right, Lee. Um, I hope <laughs> I hope that worked for you. I hope that was what you were looking for. You made it very tough on us. Great question, though. I really enjoyed that. Um, and you kept it under one page <laughs> this time, buddy. You're you're <laughs> you're doing great. So thank you, Lee. We appreciate that. Um. But Joe, I think that's uh, that's where we're going to put a pin in it for this episode. Thank you once again for being my co-host and coming on again. 
uh, tell everybody where they can find you out there on social yeah, media. Thanks again for having me. This was a fun one. Uh, it's nice to get back to the comics again. Like we try to do once in a while here. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as J411. And you can find me on Facebook as Joe Fornerato, F-O-R-N-A-R-O-T-T-O. Very nice. And always, always great to have you talking comics. Um, for myself, you can find my personal accounts on Instagram and Twitter and Letterboxd at MeCarter89. That's M-E-Carter89. The show can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. If you have thoughts, questions, comments, or suggestions, like I said earlier, you can reach us by email at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. If you take a moment out of your day to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we will read those on the show. We appreciate it. It helps other people find us, as well as Spotify now has star ratings. So make sure you leave us a star rating if you listen on Spotify. If you want, if you're looking for a way outside of ratings and reviews to support the show, uh, we do have a Redbubble store that's redbubble.com and search shop TFR, all one word. We don't ask that you buy anything at all, but if you do, we certainly appreciate it greatly. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Fire Rises. We thank you so much for downloading and tuning in, and until next time, make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery or its properties. The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies or organizations that they are associated with. Thank you for listening.
and slip them into that vat of acid there. <laughs> well, that was fun. Oh, for Chinese. <laughs>Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you have questions... Uh, blah, 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 blah. All right, we're going to start that over. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go.